first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always, founder, fearless leader of CornNation.com, Mr. John Dam Johnston. And absent, at least currently, we have reached out. We certainly hope that he's okay, uh, is Todd Wolverton. If he joins us, He'll be joining us in progress. It's nine o'clock. We decided we were tired because we're old and a little bitter uh, tonight. And so we decided to move on without him. So hello, John. How are you, sir? Bitter. Yeah. (laughs) Sad. Yeah. Disappointed. Mm -hmm. I'm mad at myself, really. Why? Uh, I turned the game on. And right when I turned the game on Northwestern, uh, by the way, we're folks, if you're for context, we're recording this Wednesday night. It was first round of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Nebraska had a 14 point lead at halftime and Nebraska lost by two. I want you to think about that. Um, but I, those, I turned to them. They lost by two of them fucking nerds to the nerds of Northwestern. I mean, come on. Goddamn Northwestern. It makes me so sad. Um, it does. It it does. I, that wasn't, you know, like like false, you know, fake fake reaction or anything like that. But uh, I I turned the game on with a five to six minutes left, and right when I turn it on, the first thing that I hear is Northwestern hits a three to I, I think the game within one or two points, and I damn near just turned it right back off. Um, I should have, but I didn't. I kept watching, and the last couple of offensive possessions for Nebraska went nowhere. They were some out-of-control, you know, offensive drives, and they – look, I'm not here. I'm not – I didn't watch enough of the game or enough of the the season to – complain about big 10 officiating i do that all the time in football um but uh you know there was a a block called against nebraska um in one of the final northwestern possessions and right down the other side of the court other end of the court there was a charge called against nebraska so uh they couldn't couldn't win for for trying and uh in the end of the day john their season ends 
I, I don't want to focus necessarily on that loss to Northwestern. I know it, it's going to piss, you know, it, it, it's going to sting the most because that's the last game of the season. Let's talk about the last week and a half to two weeks of the regular season. This Nebraska team did, you know, they, they did some good things. They beat a good Penn State team. They beat Ohio State. And they beat on on uh, I shit you not Sunday. It, it's not I asked if it was anything like no sit Sunday. I was told no. So I said, I shit you not Sunday on the road in Madison. They beat number 10, Wisconsin, best team in the league. Uh, and I know you got a huge kick out of that because uh, it, and, and reading your recap on coordination was so much fun because, uh, yeah, Brad Davison has been at Wisconsin for 43 years and it, to see him crying uh, on, on the last time on his home court, I, I, again, I wasn't watching. I, I was going by, you know, at least our hopes, you know, uh, it, it, it had, it had to be fun. Yeah. That motherfucker's going to be 55 years old. He's going to be sitting at a barbecue somewhere and some other guy is going to look at him and go, didn't you lose your last game at home to Nebraska? He's going to hear, he's going to think about this the rest of his life. And that brings me joy because I'm kind of an asshole, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the, the last three games were a lot of fun. I mean, they were, they were wins and you really mm-hmm. got to see a Nebraska team that played well together. They, and in the first half of the Northwestern game, they look like they, you know, they look like a whole gob of moving parts that all the other parts knew where every other moving part was at every time on the floor. And the offense was amazing. First half against Northwestern, they had 26 points in the paint, I think. And the Northwestern, Northwestern did exactly, the, the coach, who was that, Collins changed the how he was playing and took exactly advantage of what he needed to do. Chris Collins, yeah, the head coach. went into the 3-2 zone, and there was a big hole in that zone, right? You know, right in front of the basket. And the only guy that we really have as a threat as a big guy right there is Derek Walker, and he can't do everything all the time. Eduardo Andre played better, as you know, in the last three games, but he's still not an offensive, you know. Nobody's going to be terrified that he's going to suddenly go off and score 24 points, so – you know, I mean, that's that's where Northwestern really shut us down is we didn't have an answer for that. And I'm I'm hopeful that Fred Hoiberg next year can, you know, yeah, I think he has some big guys coming in and he has Alec Koyanitz, who's redshirted, didn't play all year. I think he's a seven footer. And uh, from is he Ukrainian, Serbian? I can't remember. Um, but. Yeah, they they took advantage of that, and then they the other problem was is our Bryce McGowan didn't play well. He did uh, not. We shot, we shot like three of 15, three of eighteen from three. Um, you know, it was just it was disappointing. But uh, man, you know our Northwestern account, the Inside NU guy, tweeted toward the end of the game. He said, uh, "This is exactly how I expect Ireland to go." <laughs> <laughs> oh no I, I saw that and uh what a prick <laughs> also probably not wrong if, if we're being honest uh, god who um, knows lithuania oleg uh lithuania uh eduardo andre is from england i didn't know that i guess i didn't either 
I didn't think about. He's and progressed, course, but I don't think he's progressed enough. Well, you know, it's the other. The other problem is that you have Bryce was shooting poorly, and I wonder if it if his wrist bothered him. Mm-hmm. And then Lap Man in the first half had a, a really giant guy fall on his head or on his neck. So, you know, he's another guy that's got some range to him, and I don't. You know, he sure. sat out the rest of the first half. So, but yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, the end of the game was. You know what it was? It was a typical Northwestern game, and every sport they play turns into a fucking rock fight, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Just get into this kind of a rock fighty thing. And first half, Eduardo, that that whole game came down to any one of 20 block or charge calls would never make any sense to anybody unless that's why they put that little circle out there so the refs didn't have to decide anymore. They can just automatically call, you know, blocking when that circles there, which makes sense because I, you know, there's no difference between a block or a charge. It's just little squirrels turning around in the ref's head, you know. <laughs> so any one of those calls could have gone either way. Eduardo Andre in the first half. I don't know if you saw this, but he accidentally tipped a missed ball back into the bucket, which is one of the weirder things I've ever seen. Uh, you had a technical called on Derek Walker for apparently turn, said something at the ref or to the ref or in the ref's direction, which apparently they're all very sensitive human beings now. And I, you know, cause you literally saw on camera, one of the nerdy guys say the F word uh, very emphatically. There's no mm-hmm. technical called on that motherfucker. So, but yeah, it was <laughs> disappointing. It was uh, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> I like how you, you the, set, setting the stage and explaining the scene. You said you had one of those and you guys saying the F word very emphatically, those nerdy motherfuckers. <laughs> well, God dang it. I mean, if you think about it, Northwestern, we, you know, our attitude North Northwestern is uh, they're nerds and we should beat them up all the time, just like in that movie. And then they, they always cause us problems. Maybe not in baseball as much, but, you know. Which movie volleyball. are you talking about? Nerds. Isn't there a nerd movie? There's Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, they're that. Yeah. But if you were, if you remember that movie, John, that's an 80s. Look, if you're younger than me and you're not sure what Revenge of the Nerds was, it's an 80s college comedy starring, among other people, uh, Anthony Edwards, who would you know go on to play Goose, and then he went on to have a, a long career in, in television in the uh, uh, hospital drama ER. Um, but it, it's about nerds, hence the title, uh, who are uh, secluded. They want to be participants in on-campus activities at, at this college. Uh, they're not invited. So they say, well, what can we do to form our own fraternity? And so they are the Lambda Lambda Lambdas. And of course, they are uh, picked on and abused by the Alpha Betas. Uh, they, they, none of the uh, tripies are going to the Lambda 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 dance open house. Uh, you got to have the Omega Moos coming in. Uh, but these nerds you know the whole plot of this movie i do uh <laughs> there's there's the very famous uh panty raid and uh a uh, scene with the installation of these security cameras 
there's the uh, the where they take all of the football players jocks and they cover them in, in I guess the 1980s equivalent of icy hot liquid uh, so that you know they all the football players run off but the at the, in the end the nerd gets the girl and I'll never forget as long as I live um, he it, it, it doesn't age well you know it's 40 years old. Um, but she thinks she's with it her ages boyfriend. well. You know the plot to it, for God's sake, man. And the people this, that were in it. This particular uh, scene doesn't age well when we t- discuss consent. Uh, but she thinks she's with her alpha beta leader boyfriend. However, it's the nerd who took his Halloween costume, and uh, she doesn't know it's him until after they've done the deed. And then he removes her or he removes his mask or she removes his mask. And he says, oh, whoa, you're really good. And, and he says, well, all jocks ever think about is sports and all us nerds ever think about is sex. And then that was, you know, for her worthy to. Uh, um, <laughs> we yeah. went right off there, didn't you? Just went, hi, hi, small child. We're going to have to edit this portion out. What? I love you too. Maybe. Go to bed. Go to sleep. <laughs> Just leave it in. <laughs> I'm cutting that have you, uh, have you, okay, so you know. They actually made a uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2, and yes, I believe 3. I don't remember my movies that well. They all, you know, went away with the uh, the death thing. <laughs> it, it's, it's like raunchy teen comedy, but from almost 40 years ago. Okay. Sorry. Wow, we're just gonna get off a, off the Nebraska trail <laughs> because there's not really. I don't think there's not anything else really going on a lot. I mean, we could go over football practice, but baseball. This is gonna be a really baseball big. Had a I better know, week. Base, base, baseball, but you know, I think this is gonna be a real big problem going forward with Nebraska football. Is uh, you know there is spring practice, and I think Casey Thompson looks like a very stand up guy. He speaks well, but. I, I just get the idea that everybody's, you know, this is the same movie again. And we don't, we don't get to see the ending until fall starts. And everybody is like, yeah, maybe that's just me. It'd be nice to get some comments on that, though. Is, are people paying attention? Because whenever I ask, I, I get the feeling that, in, put it this way, I can see it in our stats, you know, you can tell what it, what I've been doing this now, what, 16 years, 17 years? I don't know, whatever the math says. But when you look at your web views and stuff like that, uh, I mean, they're they're in the shitter because uh, nobody's nobody's really interested. It, um, go, going back to the movie analogy, uh, <laughs> not not a movie plot. I'm not going that. But really, like August is sort of the the second act of a movie like we're all in in the first or if you want to you know talk about trilogies we're in the lord of the rings uh the fellowship of the ring where we're just 
walking around. There's not a whole lot of excitement going on right now. <laughs> oh, that's uh, a good yeah, point. I, now I'll never think of that book the same way. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. I've never even read the book, but I've seen, oh, I, I have God. the movie. Um, okay. But we're not going on another <laughs> diatribe about uh, uh, cinema. Um, no, it, it's you have different storylines because there are a lot of new pieces this year you know from from the coaching staff that came on and then the transfer uh transfer portal acquisitions um and i don't know if you saw i I think you saw this because it was in the slack chat room um but there was a comment that casey thompson made about and and so sam uh, McEwen tweeted this message out and I don't know if it came from a press conference or something like that, but he says, Casey Thompson says the NIL opportunities at Nebraska are better uh, or at, at NU. So slightly redundant than at Texas in part because Lincoln is more close, uh, close knit than Austin and Ochan Mathis, uh, a defensive, like a rush end from Kansas state, who I believe is in the portal uh, and has selected Nebraska as one of his, you know, Final five uh, retweeted that with some wide-eyed "tell me more" emojis. So um, it's very so interesting. Are- like, kind of like, oh, you have my attention type <clears throat> of emojis. Oh, they are, but, aren't they? Yeah. And again, emojis with the with the exception of the the pile of shit, they're all really open to interpretation. <laughs> That's the only one I ever use. I literally sometimes text my kids and I will text them. uh, This was a really funny video surprised emoji and I'll write it out. I won't use, I don't know what the fucking surprise emoji (laughs) looks like. I'll I'll write out like happy emoji just because I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my gosh. In a similar old man uh, mode, I will sometimes in, in joke, I don't really use hashtags too often, but I will you know, like it, it, in a text to a buddy, I'll write out the word hashtag and then the word that it would be a hashtag in social media. So uh, you Greg, say, oh, my God, I, and I apologize. I did piss off a lot of Husker Twitter today. What'd you do? I tweeted. You should what'd never tweet. You, what'd you do, buddy? What'd you say? You know, I, I have not been sleeping well lately, probably because of the stress I've been putting myself through to finish this next book, which I turned into an editor Monday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through book cover drafts, uh, but I, I, I'm stressed, man. I was in a cranky mood. And my family pissing me off. Not my wife and kids, my sibling. Anyway, shouldn't mention that. I wonder if my family ever listens to anything I do. Anyway, <clears throat> rambling. <laughs> Mitch Sherman tweeted, Nebraska coach Scott Frost says he has obviously seen obviously improved defensive line play through less than two weeks of spring practice. The first thing is they're coming off the ball. That's been something what, that I've been frustrated with for a long time. And this, this struck me in my crankiness and my stress-filled, irritated ability life. And I retweeted, Scott Frost is hurt, working hard to bury his prevent, previous – let me start over. Scott Frost is working hard to bury his previous staff, one he was responsible for. Could someone take him aside and teach him how to talk to the media without being an asshole? Or is that completely impossible? Because it strikes me that a lot of times Scott Frost 
could just say we're coming off the ball better than we ever had. Not that's something I've been frustrated with for a long time because he does this shit and it bugs me. It's just small. It's it nitpicking. Yeah. It's kind of nitpicky, but people got very upset with me uh, being nitpicky and it's still going on tonight. Uh, 54 you know. uh, responses. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some people have chosen not to follow me anymore, which is fine. And I think people, the, thing, the funny thing is, is people are like, you do this stuff for controversy and web hits. And I thought, because uh, you get that stuff every once in a while. And I thought, you yeah, know, while other, I was watching other sites, this, Other sites but, that make more money are worried about clickbait. And like, we have to sell you the headline to get you to uh, come to our site. Coordination. And look, I apologize. This is going to sound completely biased because it is. We will tell you in the headline what the score of the game was, where like other will be like Nebraska and Northwestern outcome in the link. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, here's the score. Click for details. It, it don't, don't worry. Don't you, you let me worry about the Internet, John. You don't worry about the Internet. <laughs> It's it's been interesting. To, you know, it's interesting always when you say something like that. The first people that respond to you usually agree with you. The second wave is people that are very upset with you. And uh, it enlisted a lot of responses where people were. And then other people started responding to other people. So I guess I gave, a, you know, I, I was responsible for Husker drama for a day, you know. And Dave Feet tonight replies just a couple of minutes ago. Imagine if Frost had said, obviously improved offensive. It just whizzed past. Obviously improved offensive line play is a priority for us. I've been really happy with the work Coach Riola is doing. I've noticed how well the line is coming off the ball. You see how different that is from this is something I've been frustrated with for a while because he's buried his previous staff on a few occasions, mm -hmm. you know, very subtly, like backhanded shit. And it bothers me because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that uh, this is the kind of stuff that indicates you're still not taking any responsibility for your own fucking actions. You know, that's the kind of it is little tiny stuff like that. You know, and the other problem I have with it is this, Greg. He's not just a fucking good football coach who's supposed to win games. At the end of the day, he's a football coach who's supposed to be teaching young men how to be decent young men. And really what he says, what he says this kind of shit, what he's saying to everybody is, it's okay if you dress up like a woman and get on the lifeboat if the Titanic's sinking. Because I so pictured Scott Frost as being that guy. All right. I didn't well, tweet that up, but I thought I don't want to throw gas on this thing and burn everything down. <clears throat> but he, you know what I mean? Not, it's not okay at the price of gas now. It's, it's okay to bury everybody else if it makes you feel better. That's the, that's what bothers me about it. The the kids uh, these days, John, call it throwing shade. Yeah, is that uh, what it is? Yeah. So I, I completely agree with with what you're saying and with the uh, comment, you know, along the thread from uh, Dave, I, I don't know exactly. I think fight uh, Dave fight. Who's the one who said, uh, imagine if Frost said, obviously improved offensive line play is a priority for us. I've been really happy with the work coach Rayola is doing. I've noticed how well the line's coming off the ball. Rat again, 
You're it's perhaps one of Frost's biggest um, not deficiencies, but uh, detriments is like, hey man, stop looking in the rear view. You know, like focus forward. Uh, the last four years clearly have not gone the way anybody anticipated. Uh, and and let's let, let's just try to. And again, I, I maybe he I don't know. I'm not trying to defend Frost. That's not my job. Um, although on this podcast, when you and Todd are here, apparently it is my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, somebody has to. Uh, you guys are like heat wave. Frost sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, no, so but I'm not trying to defend him. But there is a way that you, I I can't. I'm trying to remember the exact uh, phrase, uh, but it's something like you don't have to um, curse the sun to, to see the moon or something like that. You know, like you don't have to, you don't have to spit in somebody's eye uh, to, you know, I don't know. But you should be positive. Damn it. You know, I don't expect it to be Tom Osborne, but Tom Osborne knew better than to say shit like that. Because it just wasn't in his mentality. Yeah, and the other, just I think one of the other ones that stuck with me is his comments about being able to sit around with smart coaches and have discussions. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's not a... Okay, good God, whatever, dude. And again, so something like that, that doesn't make him look good. No, you know, because because problem. again, that's he he. Me. To your point in in your original tweet is like, that's a those are guys that that he brought along yeah. with him. You know, like yeah. so if you're saying like if he's making the comments and I, again I didn't hear his words, so I'm, I'm going you know hearsay and what you're you're telling me here, but like if he's again given given the new coaches, you know, like glowing praise while also. You know, like uh, burying the guys that that you like. You hired them, Scotty boy. Yeah, come on, you ain't gotta be that way. If you didn't want us bringing up the past, don't bring it up yourself. Right. That's that's what I did today when I was in a cranky mood trying to be. And I thought, you know, what do I get more out of? uh, Just in case you're wondering, if you listen to this podcast and saying you're just creating this controversy to get paid more. Uh, I was working on a firewall today during the hours of which people were going insane over this tweet. In fact, there's somebody right now saying more clicks. I'm doing this to get more clicks. That's right. Uh, I may, I'm, what do you think I'm going to make more money on? Getting more tweets and clicks on our website or the four hours I spent working on somebody's firewall while I was watching this stuff go by? I, I kind of, in a way, thought I shouldn't have been so cranky and so nitpicky. And maybe I could have not called him an asshole, but um, there you go. That's what I did today for Huskerdom. And then I watched two two of our teams lose. I, uh, uh, right to him. Good grief. Um, I don't, I still don't think this is the quote that I'm looking for. Um, but better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Is that a proverb? It's a quote. I don't know what you want me to do. What do you want me to say? I don't know. I'm, I told you I was tired. What do you want from me? I'm not. Well, that, that's I, our I show, couldn't... folks. <laughs> you remembered the entire 
the entire movie. That just shocked me. My wife and I last night, okay, my wife and I have been on a string of movies where I go, okay, we're going to watch this movie. And then it's the most horrifying movie ever. Like what is Ooh, the, like Clove, what? the Clove Hitch Killer, which mm, was very yeah. good, but very, uh, oh God, it's exhausting because it's just, the acting is excellent and it's really straining. That's not I, a very good description. And then last- did you- I have a I have a serious question uh, okay. regarding you and movies and your brain injury because yeah. when when you died and you uh-huh. came back it used to love peanut butter and now it disgusts right. you so yeah. are, are there any forms of entertainment that you used to and, and full disclosure I'm not talking Nebraska you know athletics but like any forms of entertainment that you used to love that now you're like you know what that just doesn't do it for me anymore or is there something that you didn't usually used to care for that now you're like all right you know i'll 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 give that a shot i don't think so not really okay i would say no i would say that one change is uh, i grew up listening to very old country music i mean i grew up to listening to hank thompson and uh you know come on johnny horton and ed reeves and you know stuff like that the old twangy stuff where all the cows were dying the women were leaving and i really don't listen to that hardly at all Mm. anymore uh and a a lot of the reason why it's because it's it's really fucking depressing music i try to listen to more upbeat pop or you know it's funny what 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 actually happened is this most of my memories of books and movies are completely blown to shreds, mm. but my me- memories of music are very intact. Oh, good. And I have, I have talked to other people who have brain injuries, and we talk about the fact that there's something about music that it builds neural pathways that are stronger than other memories. And, you know, like it, if I want to recall, I was going to bring up something. You cut me off earlier. <laughs> My wife and I, the last night I was, uh, I turned on some show on Netflix, the worst roommate ever or something. And the first, the first episode is about this woman that they find in 1982. That is, uh, a serial killer. And they're showing these clips and I think it's 1982, but they show these clips and they're showing news items from 1982. And it strikes me that this looks like the dark ages to everyone. (laughs) <laughs> you know and in 1982 yeah. was in college, todd and i were in college at unl and it's kind of like god my god what happened to these 40 years and suddenly it's there's no dna evidence in 1982 there's the film footage i mean go back and look at a nebraska game on youtube from 1982 it looks like you're watching it through a fishbowl as the water flows by you know and it, you're just like, oh, my God, I lived in the dark ages when there was no information. And they were talking about how they couldn't track this woman, even though she had five felonies and was on parole. And there was no way to track between people could just move around and start murdering people all over again. And it just struck me like that, man. And then in 1982, we had really good, uh, you know, the music was the best ever because uh, we all lived under threat of nuclear holocaust at any time. <laughs> you know what you know what else 1982 brought you john uh what this guy oh well there you go that was a good year hey, turner gill yeah, and the yeah. scoring scoring explosion was that 83 it was 83 no it was 82 oh my god but See, I, 
<laughs> that that's okay. You're allowed to not, you know, have be uncertain about that. But I, to your point about music, music it, and, you know, like the, the, uh, the sense of smell are, you know, they're so tied. I can, I, I don't have a specific example right now, but I can, you know, smell something that I haven't smelled in 20 years. And all of a sudden I'm a kid at my great grandma's house and she's about to, you know, like reach into her like porcelain cookie jar and, and give me some iced oatmeal cookies or windmill cookies, you know, like that's, that's what she had. Uh, but you know, it's, it, but music is, is music ties you because, um, I, I was actually just for another podcast that, that I do. Um, we were having a conversation about songs that would make up like the soundtrack of our life. If our life was being made into a movie. And one of the songs that I picked was beastie boys, uh, fight for your right to party, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it, when I hear that song, I'm transported to high school, uh, because I used to wear out that CD, uh, and, uh, being the older one of my friends, uh, you know, I was the one with the car, so we'd be going to baseball practice and we'd just be listening to the Beastie Boys every day on the way to, to baseball practice. So like that's, you know, things like that, they're, I think sense of smell and, and music are, are just so ingrained and maybe it's repetition. You can, you can listen to Beastie Boys, Fight for Your Right a uh, hundred times in the same time that you could you know, watch a movie. So I think maybe just based on repetition alone, this is my, like, I have no scientific, you know, and any, anything, you know, to back up my theory, but just based on repetition, I think might be why those um, are, are huge triggers for, for memories, good or bad. So, you know, what song I had pulled up right before we started. Ooh, what? The worst song ever made. Macarena. No. <laughs> okay. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? That's I'm so far off. It's Peggy Lee's. Is that all there is? Do you know this song? Probably 1964, 1965. It's Is that all there is? My friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's bring out the booze and have a ball. And the whole song is about how disappointing everything in life is. And it's a terrible, god-awful song. And I was thinking... What would fit the Northwestern loss better than this piece of shit fucking song? And so that's why I don't listen to a lot of this. Some of this music, I just choose to not listen to Peggy Lee's. Is that all there is? But um, there, there's a, it, so I think what, what is missing from today's music while, while we're going there is the, the art of storytelling. And I say that, Oh, a song that I, I recently listened to, and I listened to it a couple of times, uh, you know, over the span of a few days is Marty Robbins, El Paso. Yeah. You know, but like, we don't, we don't hear too many songs being it, it like the story that uh, artists, musical artists are trying to convey now is I'm going to tap that ass. <laughs> Which I guess is better than dying in gunfights, maybe on a, <laughs> you can go back into what last week's podcast where it was i was gonna die with a bear in a big explosion or something <clears throat> anyway there's a, not but, a lot of nebraska stuff that we have a whole off season of things 
I guess there's baseball. Baseball did better this weekend. They did do better. And we had the uh, pitcher of the week or player of the week, yeah. big 10 player of the yep. week. So uh, three and one record against Northwestern state and UT Arlington. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it should have been four and oh, but they got, they screwed up the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Todd, Todd would say that was Will Bolt's fault. I can't remember off the top of my head who the pitcher was that was doing really well. And then he brought in, I think Colby Gomez who hasn't pitched a lot as a closer and mm. he gave up four runs in the bottom of the ninth and the other team had joy. And then tonight they lost to Kansas state. And I, yep. I followed the stats on that, but I didn't watch it. Aaron said that it was uh, some of the worst, like the, one of the worst, the fifth inning, I think they gave up like five runs and, and it was terrible, but you know, midweek baseball is always kind of interesting. And it's, it's a weird time too, because like, we're still at the beginning of March, uh, according to Aaron's write up here, that's already available on coordination.com as we're recording this. So by the time people listen to this on, on Friday, then, you know, obviously it, it's been there for a couple of days now, uh, temperature at first pitch was 36 degrees with that wind chill of, uh, making it feel like 28. Um, <laughs> they lost six to four with, playing uh, Kansas state had three errors uh, in the game in what uh, coach will bolt said the team not mentally tough enough. I think they gave up uh, four runs on four unearned. I'm fading four unearned runs. So, you know, just those few base of balls when your offense isn't batting the ball all over the place, you got to be better at the tiny things. And I guess that's what they need to do. And then our Long Beach State uh, series with them home opener this weekend got canceled, so we're trying to make it up with games against UNO. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I mean, if you got Long Beach State coming to Lincoln, you certainly want to get them there. So that's kind of disappointing. No, you, yeah, for sure. But it also wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you got Long Beach State here and it was only like fifty degrees. Fifty. I think, isn't it supposed to be in the thirties or something? I don't know what it is. Look, I know. I, well, they're not coming in, you know, not for temperature, but for the precipitation that might accompany it. But, you know, oh. if, if, if you're bringing long beach state and then they're used to, you know, sunshine and 75 yeah. <laughs> we're chip weathers or whatever the hell their weathermen are down there. Uh, you want to, you want to get them somewhat out of there. I mean, not now look long, long beach state's a good program. So I doubt it affects them. Um, what we can talk about along uh, the football route is a lot of Huskers did a lot of good at the combine this past weekend. Did they? They did. <laughs> um, both in uh, mostly in like on the field drills. However, um, Cam Jurgens had a very Cam nice uh, four. Uh, huh? I'm, I just I I'm fading. Cam Jurgens, yes, Cam that's Jurgens. what I said. Yeah, I, I was just repeating it to myself to get it into okay. my head. I was just blurring. I thought, I thought you. I thought. You thought okay. So you know what I mean. I thought you. I thought you thought I said Ham Jurgens. That I like. So that. I was confused. Okay, uh, but his forty time was actually faster. They they had a. a through the magic of technology, because this is not 1982, uh, but they were able to put a graphic alongside uh, Cam's 40-yard uh, dash, and he actually had a faster 40 than in Dominican Sioux. Um, 
you know, so he was one of the faster centers. Um, Austin Allen showed good hands, as did Jojo Doman, um, as did Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, I, I feel like with all the on-field drills, uh, a, a lot of the Huskers really performed very well. And I don't think – and look, Brian did terrific write-up on yeah, all did. the combine participants – um, you know, so again, check them out all out of coordination, but I don't think anybody got hurt by going to the combine. I think they all elevated their, their status, uh, which is terrific with, with the, the draft coming up in, I guess, next month, really, it's hard to believe it's already March. Yeah, I know. It's just the, the year's kind of going by, huh? Maybe that's, well, I always tell people don't wish your life away, but maybe that'll be better for the offseason if it goes fast. And then we're right back into fall, and we're waiting for that first game against the Nerds in Ireland. You think that game's still going to be played in Ireland? Because there was talk in the, in the last week that they were exploring more stateside options. I, somebody had tweeted that they thought they had heard the game would be moved to Vegas, but I guess I looked at that and went, why, why would they move it to Vegas? And I looked at it, and I'm pretty sure that that person has fewer Twitter followers than me. So what the hell do they know? Yeah, I I think you look at it and you go, number one, I guess I get it. You know, what is the package? $4,000 to go to Ireland and uh, watch a Nebraska game. I I love my Nebraska football, but I'm not paying $4,000 to go to Ireland. And I I don't mean anyone to take this rude. But if I'm going to go to Ireland and I would like to go to Ireland, I honestly... I, I don't want to go into an Irish bar that's full of Nebraska fans and go, here's your first experience as Ireland. You brought everybody with you. I want to you walk brought, in there uh, and meet uh, Patty O'McDonald and, and, and tell me 48 ghost stories and then take me out. And we die in a big explosion fighting a bear in a castle or something. You don't want to, uh, to, to pull a Haas Reuter. You don't want to run into Bob from Brainerd. Well, yeah, you know, I, I guess. And then you look at going to Vegas. Why would uh, if you go to Vegas, right, they have the, a big shiny new stadium there, right? Right. Why would that guy want Nebraska and Northwestern playing there? I they, I don't know. Well, you have money, but. So can can I, I think I've said this before. In fact, I'm, I'm almost certain that I have. When, you know, when we go back kind of pre-COVID or at least pre-vaccination portion of COVID, when Nebraska and uh, Illinois was announced in Ireland. Uh, my wife and I we were giving serious consideration to going again, not buying one of the packages, but going on our own, you know, getting the tickets uh, and, and going over there. And I've even said before, my wife knows this, it wouldn't be the first vacation that we planned around a Husker football game. Um, and we've always wanted to go to Ireland and then COVID hit. And then we had twins. So we obviously didn't go in 2021 and realistically, like there's no shot of us going in 2022. I mean, I, yeah, I, I know that she knows that and we, I haven't even explored tickets or anything like that. Similarly to you, John, I definitely want to go to Ireland. Like that's on our, that's on the top of our international travel list and we don't have a very long list. So um, I think what we should do is the four of us go out together. To Ireland, yeah. Who's the you and, and you and Mrs. Coronation, me and my wife. What about Todd? No. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, look, if he can't make it to a podcast recording when he said, no. you guys can do it tonight, I, I can do it tonight. We'll just record over in Ireland without him. I don't disagree with that. You know, there is one more bit of news okay. that I can think of. And that is the Memorial Stadium survey. Yes, I'm glad I was going to uh, bring it up as well. Um, first of all, let's let's hit some of the high points here. And that is people want more comfortable seats. When was the last time you were there? I've never been. Oh, you haven't? No. Well, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I can't remember what the seats are like. Based I haven't on been the, in the seats for years. I, you know, I've right. been on the field for of course. a while, but I think what it is, it's because I've been to Illinois and, and, and Illinois is not terribly different. As I don't mean that from a, a you know, a, obviously to me as a Husker fan, uh, even um, not even a convert, but even, you know, like if you don't know, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I apologize to anybody I may, may offend with the, the, religions that I'm going to say, but if you don't know anything about religion, uh, about our, our, our higher power, and then all of a sudden you, you know, are immersed in Christianity, that sounds pretty good. You know, and that's kind of how I, I came to be a Husker fan. I had no allegiances and, and I moved to Nebraska and God bless y'all. You, you took me in. If he's listening, friend of the show, Josh, um, you, you know, you're responsible for that. Um, so, but I've never been, you know, like I've never been to St. Peter's uh, Basilica. I've never been to Memorial Stadium. I'm not saying they're equal, right. but to some people they probably are. Uh, but, but, but I've been to uh, Illinois Memorial Stadium in Champaign. And the, the commonality that I'm imagining is bleacher seats, you get about 12, maybe 16 inches. And let's face it, ain't, ain't no butts that are 12 or 16 inches <laughs> anymore, you know. Um, so that's the that was the biggest thing, uh, you know, as far as it points. Sounded it sounded like uh, it was the it was the biggest thing by like a mile, like completely. It, I, I I looked at I, I spent my lunch hour today looking over the all of the results uh, of the of this survey. And I don't know if you, John, I, I totally get it if you did not, uh, because you do things and you're busier. Um, but let's go to specific, specifically, um, you know, satisfaction on a one to seven scale. The only thing that had below, uh, like 50% was seat comfort. Seat comfort was a three out of a seven parking price was a 3.8, uh, Parking access and convenience was a 3.9. Vehicle traffic flow was a four. Wi-Fi access was a 4.1. Like I wouldn't go to a Nebraska football game trying to jump up on Wi-Fi anyway. Uh, event staff and ushers got a 5.9. Overall game day atmosphere was a 5.9. Scoreboards and video boards was 5.8. Security 5.8. Football radio broadcast was a 5.7. You know there and etc. I mean that's the two extremes uh, elements of Memorial stadium that could be enhanced. 77% said seat comfort. The next, like the second place w- was Wi-Fi and mobile connectivity with 24%. Think about that. That's 53% difference between first place and second place. Right. 
I guess they better um, get better seats. Yeah, or you know, it, it, we, look, they're they're exploring all these renovations and, and you know, doing all different types of of um, seating changes. Uh, and and they went into detail in that and gave examples in the the survey itself and certainly in the results again you can see the pdf nate was nice enough to include that link in uh, in the article on coronation.com but would you be okay and look they're talking about gambling they're talking about alcohol and they're using these um possibilities to they say this could potentially offset you know with the income that we generate from these two we can offset some of the costs of the football tickets would you be okay if instead of I'm going to round up, I think, and say 90,000, it only hold, held 75,000, but everybody had just a little bit more room? I think they'd be everybody would be better off. I, I don't disagree. I, we're not. I, we're like, going to get there anyway. Because watching what? the games, we're going to get to the point that this, you know, there's only going to be 75,000 people that will show up at games. Just because, uh, not because we're bad, but because, you know, watching this stuff, it's like watching what I mentioned earlier, that game footage from 1982. Now we have 4K TVs. You can see everything, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. And then you can back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and my family get pissed off at me and leave the room. Right? Look, it's the guard again. You know, (laughs) anyway, I've done that to them their whole lives. So, um. I just think that, you know, you, you really – wasn't it Mark Cuban in the NBA who really bought the – was it the Dallas Mavericks? And he was yes. the one that really focused on this is as much about the, the kind of the social aspect and the event and, and having a good time that is, is about the sport itself. And I think for Nebraskans, you know, that we've always loved our football. We've always been very attentive to what's going on in the field. But at the same time – uh, I, I think it, they just have to make it more comfortable. They have to make it more meaningful. Um, Mike Osborne is quoted about the alcohol stuff in a article at uh, Husker Online. The article is called Big Red Business, Moving the Ball Forward on Alcohol Sales at Nebraska. And Mike Osborne is quoted at saying, I personally believe Nebraska is special because we don't do whatever is popular, tempting, or profitable said our history is that we do what is right. We generally treat opposing teams and fans well. We support our team no matter what, and we care about our children and the most vulnerable. I worry that our kids will be watching adults buying and consuming alcohol in a place we have long held as special and unique and devoted to showing the best of what our state is about. I think there's plenty of alcohol available at the tailgates and most determined fans can figure out a way to sneak in a few sips if they feel it is necessary. And then he goes, I respectfully disagree with those who said the Garth Brooks concert showed that alcohol should be sold at games, whatever. I I guess, you know, I don't, I am going to disagree with him. I was going to try to waffle a little bit there, but I am going to just flat out disagree with him. Um, I think the problem with doing that kind of stuff where, you know, we're showing our kids that we're not buying alcohol, you know, no, we're not. That's not what we're showing them at all. We're showing them fraud, that we're frauds. You know what I mean? We're showing them, we're saying, we're all going to consume alcohol, but 
sometimes we're going to pretend that we're not going to buy it and that you shouldn't have it and it's bad and evil. You know what I mean? It's like brushing stuff under a rug and pretending it doesn't exist. That's the problem I have when you get this kind of attitude toward things, you know? Well, it's kind of like old people like me. Kind of like old people like me that pretend that we always do good days are always there. The old days are always better. No, they weren't. They were just as shitty. 1982, we had nuclear holocaust at any time with mutually assured destruction with the Russians. And grainy televisions. It's it's just like it's just like fashion. It's come around again. Well, let's talk about other people's attitude towards alcohol at Memorial Stadium. Uh, 41 percent were very positive. Uh, towards the sale of alcohol. Uh, 17% were somewhat positive. 14% were neutral. 11% were somewhat negative. And if you're doing math like I am, 17% were very negative. I do like how the survey says 72%, like they're highlighting the good, we know what direction they're leaning, right? Uh, So it says 72% have a positive or neutral attitude toward alcohol sales and memorial sales. That's very positive, somewhat positive or neutral, but they don't say that 42% have a negative or neutral (laughs) point. You know, they're like, and again, 41%, some of the key comments, uh, said, I understand selling alcohol is controversial, but believe it would enhance the overall experience of game day. Allowing alcohol sales with the Memorial Stadium would be another revenue stream athletics could take advantage of. Alcohol sales are a no-brainer. As a recent grad, most people I know leave the game at halftime to drink and often don't return unless it's a good game. Yeah, you want to show your kids that you're there to support your team or you want them to go drink at half? <laughs> do you think and so like i feel like um some of these uh folks are, are dealing in absolutes so this person on the negative side says please do not allow alcohol i know it will make the university some money but it will absolutely ruin the game day experience you know that's not necessarily true the whole make the university money stuff uh Make the beer vendors money. Let's just say that uh, being familiar with uh, other people that have sold beer at college stadiums, uh, they didn't make nearly as much money as they thought they needed to because sometimes they increase their security and their staff to make sure there were no problems. Mm -hmm. Whatever revenue they thought they were going to make up, they didn't make because they had to increase their staff. So they also have to, you know, you have to have people there that are, you don't just bring beer in and it sits in kegs all fucking week waiting for people to show up, right? Somebody has to be there and set all that shit up and they have to figure out how much they're going to have and they have to get the lines right so that when you go to pull the thing to get somebody a beer, foam just doesn't blow up all over the place. So there's a lot of costs that go into this stuff too. And Nobody wants too much head on their beer. <laughs> That's oh my god we, we never grow um, up did we anyway no we don't uh so what do you think about a an alcohol-free section at memorial stadium i, I think it you know then uh, i don't know it's kind of like saying that's the nice part of town you know you should make it all the same <laughs> for everybody <laughs> You know, I mean, they, there's a there's been I, I remember when Minnesota went into this and they really had an argument about we're only going to have it in one spot. And a lot of people were like, 
Oh, so it's an elitist thing. Only certain people can have this and other people don't get it at all. So I don't know, maybe an alcohol-free zone would be nice. On the other hand, well, maybe it just, you know what? Maybe you should just be a fucking adult and accept that people are going to have alcohol sometimes around you. And if you don't want that, just go home and hide under your fucking bed. How's that for a strong opinion? 22% of respondents said that they would actually attend more uh, if there were alcohol sales. So yeah. those 22 people need to go also to attend some Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody's going to go to a stadium and get blitzed on 10 or $12, whatever it is, beers. You know, I, I don't just don't. On the other hand, you go to the airport sometimes and you see massive shit tons of NFL fl- fans flying to all the games. So maybe people do just dedicate their life to having a lot of stuff, you know, spending a lot on alcohol. But I, 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 I've never seen that. I'll, I'll take that back. How many NFL games have you ever been to? Uh, quite a few. Yeah, it's a different crowd, isn't it? Completely yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. It's full of a lot of really obnoxious fucking drunken people that have no compunction whatsoever and swearing their asses off in front of your children, no matter how many they are or how old they are. Am I incorrect in that statement? Or is it just, just the Vikings fans that I've been around? I've probably, well, so I've been drunk at football games, um, Steelers Rams in 2007. Yeah, I think Steelers Rams, 2007, maybe 2008, something like that. Uh, I was one of those, like I was out tailgating. It was a Monday night game. And so I was tailgating at the casino queen, uh, along the uh, east side of the Mississippi River um, and did not have to drive, uh, took the Metrolink over. So I, I started drinking at like one and I stopped drinking at halftime. <laughs> but um, the difference, like I would have been one of those obnoxious people, but I like to think the mom and dad raised me right. Um, and they were also there at the game. So I had to kind of behave so um but no you definitely and like i try to be especially taking you know my my oldest uh i've I've taken him to well we've been to cardinals games and and uh we went to a st louis battle hawks game for that one that they had before the season shut down from covid uh so i you know i i try to be very conscious of of how i'm you know, we, we've joked about this on the show before. I'm trying not to swear in front of my children, and you give me shit for that because you're like, somebody's got to teach them. Right. Turns out it's kind of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for um, her. Yeah. God bless her. Uh, She's got but balls. no, and yep, yeah, she carries them around in her backpack because <laughs> they're mine. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I've, oh, to answer your question, the the short way, yes, a lot of drunk, obnoxious people uh, at at NFL games. And I suppose you know, I mean, when you go to Madison, you, you if you go to Wisconsin games, holy shit, you know. And uh, I imagine a lot of those people are much like that before they ever walk into the stadium. So I I don't, I get that some people. No, I don't. It's not a church for God's sakes. It isn't a church. And- Stop pretending it's a church because it's not a church. 
And this is one of the things that constantly bugs me about Nebraska football is we act like it's a church and a religion. And it isn't. It's just a football game. It's a social event. Hot take. It's another one. You're a, you're racking them up today, Chief. Am I? Well, I mean, between this and what Twitter, happens, you're a... It's what happens when I get really tired and I don't have any filter. I get frustrated. I was frustrated today with three things, three different... Firewall I couldn't fix, a authentication system I couldn't fix, and, a, and an email system I couldn't fix. You know, nowadays, but, the young, younger people work on one thing. They don't work like 38 different fucking things. I should quit this. I should go get a different job. <laughs> I want to give a shout out, as you mentioned, uh, before we go, because, look, this is where, as we get into the offseason, especially now that basketball is over, because um, there's no there's no invitation anywhere. Uh, except to the gym for more practice. Um, but we're going to need your help folks. And John, um, I would like you because everybody likes you more than they like me, myself included. Um, I would like you to, to do your best, uh, uh, sales pitch to get folks to, uh, you know, like we can, we can always have a portion of the show that's kind of mailbag centric. That would be a good idea. It, either that oh, is we're going to start turning part of these shows into like, I don't know, submarine technology in the 1960s. <laughs> we do the, uh, uh, the John and Greg. And if he decides to show up Todd variety show, start singing and dancing. I'll, I'll, I'll learn a couple of magic tricks. You know what the second worst song of all time is the Macarena. No, <laughs> I don't know. But if I have to find it, I'd really urge people to give us some ideas on what they'd like us to talk about, you know, and that could include history. I thought about going back to history, you know, like going over the old Husker nicknames, things like that, except putting them in context of the times I'm all for it. I am all for it. John, I sitting here with you every week is such a joy. Uh, and, and uh, you always entertain me. And oftentimes you uh, educate me as well. So, uh, yes, please bring some of those topics uh, to the show, you okay. know, as time allows. And uh, you mentioned it earlier before we go. Again, I, I started to and then I got sidetracked because that's what I do. Manage your damage. <laughs> right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that real, but before we go, because it's a, a manuscript you, you submitted to the editor uh, just earlier this week. And you're deciding between some cover art. Uh, what is man? It's a, it's a follow up to your uh, New York Times bestselling, uh, Been <laughs> Dead, Never Been to Europe. Um, it's 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 that's a memoir. This is a I don't know if it's a self help book. What is it? It's called Manage. The first one will be called Manage Your Damage Heart Attack Survivor. And it's it's directed at heart attack survivors because when people have heart attacks. I mean, like me, mine came out of the blue. I never expected to have a heart attack for God's sakes. If I you put on a list of things I was going to die from, it'd be down there like eaten by sharks, blown up in a big explosion while fighting a bear. You know, it just seemed impossible. And then you have that kind of stuff happen to you and you're faced with anger, anxiety, depression, you know, and then physical problems like fatigue and uh, memory loss, things like that. So I go through all that stuff that what people can expect 
or, you know, kind of what I dealt with really after I had my heart attack and then how I actually tried to recover most of my life. And so the first one is for heart attack survivors. I'm working on a second one that'll be for traumatic brain injury survivors. And uh, I might do another one also, but I'm not, I haven't decided yet. This writing about this shit is really hard. It really sucks because, uh, you know, I didn't, I never expected to die. And then you write about your own death to, to like 30,000 times in different ways. It really is kind of, <laughs> I didn't expect to be here. That's really what it comes down to. And you mm-hmm. want to know what I figured out the hardest thing in life is, Greg? What's that? It's being where you want to be versus where God wants you to be. And that sounds really religious, but I never expected to be here. But I, since once you tell people, yes, I've had a heart attack, they all of a sudden start opening up to you about their problems a lot more. So I have, it's like buying a car and you never saw that car and you buy the car and you see it everywhere. Well, I've talked to so many heart attack survivors and people who have brain injuries and stuff because I recognize brain injury people now. And uh, it's been, you know, I just feel like they're, they suffer a lot. Um, I just, I just did a short interview with a woman who is in the UK. Uh, she had, she had a heart attack out of the blue, like I did, but then mm. four weeks, it, she, she didn't die. She had, you know, had a, it wasn't, it was a heart attack, but it wasn't, it, it didn't damage your heart. Like mine got damaged, but like four weeks later, or eight weeks later or something, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And one of the, we had, I'm supposed to be on her podcast and do an interview with her. Um, and one of the things she talked to me about in this interview, we did to figure out what we're going to talk about is the differences between heart attack survivors and breast cancer. And she said when she left the hospital for heart attack, she was just kind of like, there you go. Goodbye. Because our hospitals are really good at taking care of trauma. They really are. But they're they're really, you know, you go to a heart attack, you get fixed for the heart attack, you go to cardio rehab, they teach you a lot, but nobody helps you with the mental problems. So they will recommend like therapy or counseling and things like that. But mostly they don't do a whole lot. And so all these people are left to flounder on their own and figure it out. And then when you get to, she said when she had breast cancer diagnosis, she was like, she said, literally her line was, I felt like I was wrapped in a warm, cozy blanket by all of the charities that came to me and offered to help Mm, and all of the people and all of the organizations that were there to help me through the process. And I was like, holy shit. I never even really thought of that, but it's it's true from everybody I've talked to about brain injuries and heart attacks. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is, I don't know, get a book out, um, see if it'll help. I don't know. I I'd really, I wanted to write a fiction novel about like mole people coming up. Mole people? Mole people, nice. mole people gr- coming up from the ground and taking over dystopian world. I'd read that too. manage your damage one uh the uh, how i overcame anger anxiety and depression after trauma after the heart trauma manage your damage two will be about the brain trauma and manage your damage three how i overcame anger anxiety and depression after 20 years of nebraska football (laughs) you know you know before the the year before the oh come on 
When was this? I was going to go jump in a frozen lake. Like the polar plunge? The polar plunge. I was going to mm-hmm. do that. And they, the people I was going to do it with said, you need to talk to your cardiologist. We don't want to, you know, you need to get that cleared. And so I sent a note to my cardiologist. And you know what he responded with? And we'll just close the show with this. He responded with this. Can't do any worse. No, he said, you know, it's not any really different than experiencing something else that might cause your heart to elevate quickly such as, you know, being in a fender bender or being startled or watching a horror movie or something like that. And then he concluded with this. He said, I would think that somebody who's endured the rigors of the last few years of Nebraska football (laughs) would be able to withstand this without any problems. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. What a great line, you know? He's a Wisconsin alum. But what there you go. That's, you, uh, that's what he said, you know, the inherent risk of life that we all face and, and taking that into account. But he had to jab me with the Nebraska football thing. OK, there you go. What a way to end the show, John. We've uh, been all over the map uh, in yeah, this yeah. episode. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway, uh, folks, is, you know, go go to your nearest uh, movie rental place and pick up Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Even my dog uh, is stirring. You know, there are some uh, scenes in that movie that'll stir uh, even the oldest of men or beast. <laughs> so that is it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, uh, for uh, absent uh, Todd, uh, we got, of course, our our, uh, our good friend, founder, fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. I'm Greg Mahochko, reminding you this week and every week. That two things. Damn glad John's here in five hearts, all the hearts you need. John? Go big red.